When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Adam Dorn, who is a wealth advisor with Prevail Strategies in Kansas City. Uh, welcome, Adam. Thanks, Gary. It's great to be here. So, Adam, t- tell us how you got to where you are today, because you didn't go straight from college to, to being an advisor. Yeah, if you'd asked me in college, I would have never pictured myself doing this, but um, I actually got into law enforcement, police work, did that for 16 years. And it was a a personal process of financial and personal development that I went through that actually led me into being an advisor now. Um, So it was was my own personal journey that led me here. Great. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, because you started in, you know, in a different field and then then got into, into this, what is it about, you know, wealth management and advising clients that, that makes Adam get up every morning and is excited. Yeah, it's similar to what drove me to want to be a police officer is I really enjoy doing purposeful work, having, you know, feeling like I made a difference for somebody each day. And um, so I I satisfied that when I was in law enforcement. But what happened was in law enforcement, I, I got into it when I was younger and I loved the excitement and the variety of the work. As I got older, got married, had a kid, priorities changed. And it was more important to have more control over my schedule. And also, you know, when you're young and fresh out of college, you're not really concerned usually about building wealth. Um, But that started to become on my radar because I wanted to take those family trips and have more time off and have money to do things with that time off. And so that kind of led me on the on the financial journey that, um, you know, I, I. I sought the help of some financial advisors, wasn't really happy with uh, what I found out and the results I got. And so I, I thought there might be a space for me in financial services to do it differently. Right. Now you say that you, you know, that you personally sought out somebody to, to help you with, with uh, your wealth advising. What is it that they weren't asking you or they weren't doing that wasn't satisfying you? Because I think that's an important distinction. I mean, you know, we always talk about, you know, what are some of the questions people should be asking you? 
well, you've, you've done it and you didn't like what you heard. So tell us about that. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was the experience. I had negative experiences, I would say, predominantly negative, because I felt like I went to somebody, got really vulnerable. Our finances are a personal, vulnerable thing yep. um, about all the things I wasn't happy about and how I wanted my life to be different. And I felt this dynamic of there was this sequence of two or three meetings and I was progressively being sold something. It just felt that way to me. And I think a lot of people listening maybe can relate to that, that the traditional experience with financial services, it can often feel as though this is a, a sequence of meetings, the advisor is positioned as the expert, um, and, and they control the conversation, and we move in this direction of being sold some financial product or service. And uh, I just didn't feel like for the amount of vulnerability I've given and, and what I had said about the vision I had for my finances, I didn't feel like that was getting answered appropriately. Um, and, and so I just, I didn't like the experience. Gotcha. So what, you know, when you're, when your potential clients are coming in to, to sit down with, with Adam and, um, you know, cause again, it's a service that you are selling to them and, and, and True. there's gotta be a certain amount of sales that go, that goes into it. That's we're all in business for that. True. True. But what are some of the questions that you wish that, that these potential clients were, were asking you that they're not asking you when they come in and sit down with you? First of all, client meetings for me and in my business, what it looks like is it always starts with education. So it usually starts with me sharing something that is not common knowledge or is, you know, recent news in the financial realm, sharing something that stimulates a new thought or provokes a question. Um, and often in my business, that's usually some form of education around taxes as a topic. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like traditionally financial planning can put people into a tax trap because traditionally and by default, what we're being offered at our employers and what gets talked about in the media is, you know, things like a 401k or an IRA, which in and of themselves aren't necessarily a bad thing, but people don't really understand the way they work. Right. And so you get into it and you start accumulating wealth in this vehicle and you've not paid taxes on any of that wealth. And people are surprised to find out that tax rates seem to have an upward trajectory. And furthermore, when you actually get into retirement, the IRS starts sending you letters every year telling you that you've got to take money out of those accounts and you've got to pay taxes. And that's a surprise because they didn't understand how it works. Um, so just... I think education is so critical. And so I love when people read a book that I shared with them, read an article that I shared with them, watch a video or a podcast that I shared with them, and then come up with questions about what does this mean to me in relation to taxes? What does this mean to me in relation to you know, my future, my retirement income? So I just, education is such a key component of, of my client process. And what I had been more, I wish had been more present in the process you know, 10 years ago when I was seeking out help for myself. Right, right. I, I, I mean, you know, like I shared with you earlier, I mean, to me, education is very important because I think that, that if we help educate our clients, then part of it is they're not going to be afraid to ask us the questions that, that yeah. they really need to. Um, in going through this, what, you know, besides, um, you know, the, the tax implications of putting money into a 401k and, and, or IRA, what are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing uh, clients make uh, before they come and sit down with you? 
Um, I think one of the common things, particularly as it relates to maybe investments, is this idea of chasing returns. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of advisors are guilty of, you know, the, the way they create new business is selling somebody the idea of returns, an average rate of return or expected rate of return. And earning good returns is something everybody wants. I think we all want that. It's only one piece of a pretty you know, pretty complex puzzle or equation. Um, there's more to it than, than the average rate of return in your portfolio. But chasing returns is definitely something I see that's very common. And you can do that and neglect other areas or other pieces of the financial puzzle that are so important. Like what about having just a, a backstop? What about the foundation of having a backstop if you can't go to work tomorrow because you're too sick or hurt to go to work? You know, um, income replacement. That's, that's a key blind spot I think a lot of folks miss. Another blind spot a lot of folks miss, I think, again, goes back to what I said, and I don't want to rehash it too much, but the tax considerations of what you're doing today. It's great if you can earn double-digit returns, but when you go to use that money and, and you distribute it to yourself, you know, what's it look like? Because um, the returns at that point aren't as relevant as maximizing the use of what's there. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that that's, that that's something that that's important for people to look at. And I think the, the bigger thing that, that I always try to talk to my clients about is, um, is what their risk tolerance is, yeah. you know, because I think that that's important to know. It's like, you know, if you want to yield these high returns, you got to be prepared to take a lot of risk. Um, and there are ways to, to manage that. And that's where, you know, coming and talking with someone like yourself is important. What, um, I guess, what are some of the fears that, that, you know, your clients are having right now uh, as you meet with them? Um, <clears throat> tax rates going up in the future is one of the predominant ones. Another one is healthcare expenses. I hear that a lot from clients is healthcare expenses and a lot of clients that are business owners saying, you know, that's one of their, one of the most expensive things, you know, in their budget right now is how much they spend on healthcare insurance every month. And what's that mean to them when they, you know, want to look out towards retirement or having less of a role in the business and just being concerned about that cost. So uh, I would say, yeah, taxes and, and healthcare costs are probably the two biggest that I hear about fears. And then of course, and, and every advisor hears this, and, and I think all of us have had this thought, the fear of running out of money you know, if you start distributing your assets to yourself, running out of money, and, and how can we map out not letting that happen? Um, so those are some things that I'm, my team and I are very used to hearing and working with. Yeah, I think um, something else that, that, you know, is important, you know, you talked about people, you know, possibly running out, uh, or if um, they need to have income replacement or anything like that, for whatever the cause is. Um, I think it's something that's important is, you know, working with clients, putting together a budget. Um, because, yeah. you know, it, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, if you have six months worth of, of expenses saved up, then, you know, then you should, you know, then move on to your, to your next bucket of money or whatever. Um, but lots of times people don't know what that six months of, of expenses are. What, you know, what does that mean? Um, is this something that you talk regularly with your clients about? Yeah, budgeting is a part of uh, an early part of 
client conversations when we start talking about if they're going to make any strategic financial moves, if they're going to shift dollars around, we first of all have to see what's available to shift around and make sure we're not creating, you know, uh, impinging on lifestyle. So budget conversations are for sure a part of it. And then, you know, looking further out to kind of what you were just mentioning, I think is we're not only considering, okay, what are the assets that we're accumulating, but we're also thinking about what are the income streams that we are building. And that was, I want to go back to my own personal story too. A big piece I felt was absent from a lot of the conversations I had with advisors when I was looking for help myself. There was a lot of push to, you know, save and invest and build some sort of a nest egg. I didn't hear much about things like, um, you know, income producing real estate, building a business to produce income. And those are things that I think are a critical piece of, you know, long-term sustainable wealth is having assets that create income for you. Right. And I, I think this, again, goes back to the, to the education side of things, because we are um, taught from a young age, put away, put away, put away. But it's like, you know, because I've had these conversations with my kids, they're like, what am I putting away for? And, and then I try to, you know, to sit and explain to them. It's like, okay, well, you know, you want that new Xbox game or you want that new, you know, VR game or, or, or console. Well, you need to save for it. So same thing. I mean, in talking with your clients um, and, and trying to help them see into the future. And again, none of us have a crystal ball that's, that's perfect. When you're trying to get them to save, how are you helping them to determine um, how much they need to save? And again, I know everybody's different and, and so forth, but how, how, are you, how are you helping them figure that out? Yeah, um, we have some very, very helpful software that we're able to use to kind of, and I think crystal ball is a good, a good term because nobody has one, but we try to get as close as we can to a crystal ball in that you know, we'll use software that helps us, um, first of all, look at snapshot of today. So here's your assets and your liabilities as they sit today. Here's how much is coming in. Here's how much is going out. So that the client can just get a very real picture of here's where I am. And if they're not happy with that or where that leads them down the path, then we can start looking at, okay, since we have everything organized and on the screen here, where can you make adjustments? Is it that we're reducing you know, expenses X, Y, and Z? Is that we're able to increase some income over here? Or what I love to do is help people recoup money, right? Plug holes that they didn't realize were there. Right. Um, sometimes we find it's just as easy as you know, looking back through homeowners and auto insurance and saving money there. That's a, a small example. Um, other times it could be there's a massive tax deduction they're missing. They're a business owner and they're missing out on a huge opportunity to to offset their income and reduce their tax burden. So those are just a couple of ways, but you know, of course we can get creative as, as, as much as clients want to, to try to figure out a way to position them better. Right. So, you know, in talking a lot of these, about a lot of these different strategies, um, can you tell our listeners why it's important to have a professional like you helping them through this process? Well, I think, oh, lights went out. I think that um, basic budgeting is a discipline, and I think it's something we all know about, we all hear about, but 
just having some basic accountability on that is really helpful to have someone who's not a member of your household from the outside looking in that says, well, you know, here's what we see. And, 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 and just making it very concrete and providing some accountability. Um, beyond that, um, I, I lost my train of thought there. I mean, I think, you know, I think, you know, one of the, the directions that you're going also is that, you know, if you have a plan and you're, you know, I mean, I, I always tell, tell clients, it's like, look, this is your fin financial checkup. I mean, you go to the doctors once a year for a physical, hopefully, if not more often. So at least once a year, you should be getting with your financial advisor to go through and double check everything to make sure that, that you're still heading down that path that you guys talked about and put together. Yeah, that goes back to, again, accountability and just having somebody that's reminding you at least on a yearly basis, like you mentioned that, hey, this is, your finances are dynamic, things are changing, let's check in, let's see how things are tracking with, with the original plan and the original intention you set. Oh, and by the way, plans and intentions change as well. Um, I guess the other thing I would say, going back to your question of why should somebody make use of an advisor Maybe not everybody chooses to do that, and that's fine. I think the value in having an advisor in this space, just as any other space, is it's a good idea to have a financial board of directors because there's different areas of knowledge mm -hmm. that are pretty much a full-time job to keep up on. Investments is one. You know, insurance and protection, income replacement, things like that's another body of knowledge and expertise. Estate planning, another body of knowledge and expertise. Um, CPA, what you do, another body of knowledge and expertise, keeping up on all the changes in the tax code. So um, again, there's people out there that will do just fine, probably without an advisor, and they'll be happy with that. But if you're looking to really um, optimize and maximize efficiency around your finances, you'll need a, a personal board of directors and advisors, people that are keeping up on those topic areas because it's their full-time job. Um, you know, we all have something we do full-time and, and it requires our full-time and attention and your finances are no different. Yeah. I, I, my, my clients, they always hear me talk about their financial team and that's what you just talked about, yeah. you know, the financial team. And I, you know, I think that, that it does, it takes a team of people to make sure that everything happens. And I, I find one of the biggest mistakes that the clients might make is that, they don't have their team talking to each other. Um, and I think that that's something that, that's really important because, you know, you as the, the, the wealth management advisor, if you go to make a change in something, change allocations or, or you know, the client has a, a, you know, capital gain, so forth, and I don't know about it, then I can't help plan their taxes. And if they have a, a loss carry forward and you don't know about it, you know, you may sit on something and if that communication isn't going on and then, oh, by the way, we got to wrap in the financial, the, the estate planner because yeah. there's some changes that just happened. So those are things where, where we always talk about the team, the financial team needs to, needs to talk. Um, and I think you're hundred percent correct in that, you know, we, we all need to have our, our full-time jobs that, that we're the experts in. And I think that that's something that's, that's really important. So 
tell us, um, Adam, with, you know, I was going to say that we were, you know, have gone through COVID and we're coming out of it, but it doesn't seem to be. It seems like we're, we're being pulled back into it. What are some of the, the big challenges that, that you have faced, uh, you know, kind of the past year and a half of what we've gone through? Yeah, there's one primary challenge that comes to mind within my business, and that was my business primarily was done locally and face-to-face mm-hmm. prior to March of 2020. And when, when everything happened in March of 2020 that happened, I went from, you know, going to however many chamber events and local meetups and, and actually holding live events too. I mean, that was one of our primary ways to, you know, find new clients and create new clients was to hold educational events in person. And that all went away mm-hmm. literally overnight when all of a sudden we couldn't go to the office anymore. And so having to make a very abrupt shift. Now, I, I have always believed and felt in my business that I needed to have more online presence, more online exposure, but it forced me into that. It was, you know, a sink or swim moment. Right. And, um, and so I'm very proud, not only individually of myself, but of our team here at Prevail that when that happened, we put together a plan and pretty quickly started creating webinars online, YouTube videos with educational content, being guests on podcasts and and doing all this online stuff that actually did help us to expand our reach and connect with new people and helped us to, you know, after a 30 to 45 day slump, really ramp the business back up to where we had been only now, instead of doing it all in person, we were doing it all virtually. Um, I'm very proud of that. And that certainly was probably the biggest challenge that I've seen in the last, you know, 18 plus months of we, as we've gone through this, it has been a delight to return back to some in-person yeah. events. It's great to see clients face-to-face now because we have been doing some of that. Um, but I'm just, I'm very thankful that, you know, our business and our team was able to survive that time. And, and I really feel like not only that, but we got good at doing the online piece. Um, and, and things like what you and I are doing right now, this conversation on podcasts are becoming more commonplace in our business. And I think it's here to stay. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. Um, what do you see in the next, I don't know, three, six months, um, that is going to be the challenge in, in your industry? Really good question. I think there are a number of changes occurring, um, number of changes occurring, not only in the marketplace, um, what's going on in the markets is, is just different from anything historically that we've got that's, that's ever happened before. I mean, you've got, um, uh, you've got bonds are not safe. Stocks don't feel safe. Um, there's just not a lot that feels safe. There's, things happening in the market that defy reason and logic. You have companies with negative earnings that are just shooting up in value because they're being actively traded. So I, I, think, I think the markets is one area where there's a lot of uncertainty. I don't have the answer for what our industry is going to do about it, how advisors are going to approach it, but I can tell you that's an area of concern and it's a, um, it's a challenge. So trading the markets is one. I think another one that's, that's, changing and going to be interesting and difficult is um, in the life insurance space, there's some regulation changes going on right now. You have 
Life insurers have been guaranteeing minimum accumulations within their permanent products for years. And uh, the updates to that legislation is going to lower those required uh, guarantees because life insurers have been earning less on their portfolios than what they've been promising people in dividends. So that's a challenge that's coming. And for somebody who works in that space, not sure how those insurers are going to handle that or change their products to adapt. Um, and then I think what we were just talking about, this whole thing of our business is going to be increasingly more online. And so how do you do that and not lose the value of personal touch? Right. Um, I think that's going to be a challenge as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I know that, that um, because I have a lot of clients that aren't just here in my, in my hometown, um, you know, so I've used Zoom kind of before Zoom was a thing. But I also like that in-person contact. And I just think that, that there's something, especially the first time meeting somebody, shaking their hand, looking them in the eye and, and walking them, uh, you know, into your office or into your space and not being able to do that does feel kind of, kind of different. Um, and I think that that's, you know, everybody talks about, you know, going back to the, to what was normal. It's like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think there's always going to be, um, you know, this difference that, we, that we're going to have. So, Adam, going through, we've, we've talked about a lot of different things. What have I not asked you at this point that you wish I did? Um, I would say, ask me how we are different at Prevail from most traditional financial firms. Okay, tell us. <laughs> so I think where traditional financial planning has fallen short is that I think it takes control out of clients' hands. And we really work hard at Prevail to give back control. A lot of that comes in the form of education, like you and I have been talking about, where the client doesn't come into a room and feel like the advisor is the expert and talking down to them and has all this knowledge they don't have, but rather we're freely and openly sharing knowledge and truly wanting to disrupt our industry because we think our industry is ignoring a couple important points. One, tax planning as a regular part of the conversation with clients. Yep. Because we just feel like by default, most Americans are set up for a tax trap. I talked about that earlier. Second, um, the client experience, which I talked about as well, is that wanting clients to be in control of that experience, be in control of the learning process as they go through our client meetings, and it being a collaborative decision-making process about what they want to do with their finances and what strategies they want to implement. And then finally, um, engaging in alternative asset classes that the rest of the industry has been very slow to adopt. We strongly, strongly encourage clients to have a diverse asset mix where they're involving alternative assets, particularly owning business and owning real estate. We think those two things are often missing from traditional financial advising conversations and if you talk to anybody who's accumulated real wealth, they all own a business in some way, shape, or form, and they all own income-producing real estate. And we just feel like it's a big part of the equation. So I think that's what makes us different and unique. And uh, it makes our client engagement a lot more fun, too, that we're talking about different things that they haven't had conversations with other advisors about. Right. That's great. That's great. So if somebody likes what they're, what they're hearing right now and, and they want to talk to an advisor that, that looks at things differently, how can they reach out to you um, and, and talk to you? 
The best way to reach me is on LinkedIn. I am the only Adam Doran in Kansas City on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm on there every day. And it is a, a primary tool I use to connect with new folks. So um, my LinkedIn profile is a great way to reach me. Great, great. Adam, we appreciate your time and appreciate your, your thoughts and your wisdom that you've given us today. Um, and look forward to, to talking to you in the future. Thank you, Gary. Again, our guest today on the podcast was Adam Doran with Prevail Strategies. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.